0: I don't know if you are following this news, this news of this rash of suicide among the very rich and famous, just in in the last few weeks, millionaires, billionaires, celebrities. But before I go any further, I am also aware of the fact that there are times particularly among the average person who doesn't know, brain chemicals get all out of balance, and therefore they would do things that are not balanced, including taking their own life. Unlike the Roman Catholic Church, we don't believe it's the unforgivable sin. If a person is redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ, no matter whether he sinned in his life or at the end of his life, at the beginning of his life, Jesus' blood washes all our sins away. So, I just want to make sure that you understand this before I get any further. But the one thing that so many people agree on, especially in the the suicide among the very wealthy, the rich, and the famous, uh, these successful people, is that they have experienced a loss of hope. They have experienced a loss of purpose. They have experienced a loss of vision for their life. All of these can be a very powerful factor in ending of life, Uh, unfulfilled expectations, and misdirected pursuit of fulfillment in life. All of these are powerful factors. I'm told that between 45,000 to 50,000 a year in the United States of America, people take their own life. It is now the tenth leading cause for death. Beloved, listen to me. Here's the problem. The pursuit of fulfillment in life coupled with Going about it the wrong way, pursuing the wrong things, all of that make up for a cause for all of us to sit up and take notice. In every culture, in many parts of the world, and as many of you know, I have traveled extensively through the years. Every culture, every society, they're all looking for fulfillment. But many, as I said, seek that fulfillment in the wrong places. They pursue wrongly they chase after it as if they're chasing after a mirage. It's not there. And that is why they'll never feel fulfilled even if they're millionaires. In fact, it was Saint Augustine who said that our hearts are restless until they find a rest in where? In you. Now, back in the days when I used to travel to Asia a great deal, and I think back then my wife would have said a great, great deal. (laughs) I have found people, particularly in India, all over uh, Asia, they are pursuing happiness. They're pursuing fulfillment. um, They're looking for it in Eastern mysticism. They're looking for it in finding some guru in which he's going to help them find themselves. (laughs) And I found also that there were people there in Asia, the so-called gurus, who are really happy to release them from their money. Well, all of these breathless endeavors, all of these useless endeavors (laughs) kind of remind me of the story of the old-timer who went to a hardware store looking for a new saw. Remember, he's an old-timer. And so a salesman pulls up one of those electric chainsaws off the shelf. He said, this is one of our newest models, it can cut ten cords of wood in a day. All oh, the next day, the old-timer returned to the hardware store looking absolutely uh, frazzled, exhausted, and sweating, and, and he said to the salesman, he said, something must be wrong with this saw. I worked as hard as I've ever worked, and I couldn't cut even three cords of wood when I normally cut four or five by my old saw. The salesman kind of looked puzzled, and he said, you know what? I don't understand this. Come with me. Let's go in the back. And we go in the backyard. There's a pile of wood. And he said, let's try it. And he pulled the cord, and the chainsaw went vroom, and the old-timer jumped back. He said, what's that noise? <laughs> He's been trying to use a chainsaw the way he used his old saw, frustrated, helpless, Today I want to show you from the life of the Apostle Paul that when we pursue your God-given dream, and let me assure you, God has a dream for every one of you. God has a vision for every one of you. But when you pursue that God-given dream in your life, you're going to overcome obstacles. You're going to defeat any enemy. You're going to meet every challenge, and you're going to be victorious even in the worst of your circumstances. Romans fifteen, fourteen to 33. He shows us in those few words the power of vision for life. He shows us uh, how to have joy in fulfilling God's purpose for your life. He shows us the motivation which can only help us not just persevere, but thrive in life, regardless of the circumstances. First of all, Paul shows us here that it is the pursuit of that dream. It is the pursuit of that vision. It is the pursuit of God's purpose for your life. It's going to be, first of all, self-sacrificing. Secondly, it's going to be God glorifying. Thirdly, it's going to be forever dreaming. You never stop dreaming. And finally, constantly kneeling. In verses 15 and 16 you can see that for true fulfillment in life, you're going to have to have self-sacrificing. Secondly, verses 17 and 19, it has to be God glorifying. Verses 20 to 21, forever dreaming. And finally, verses 30 to 33, constantly kneeling. Let's look them in the details now, okay? Self-sacrificing is a true, true, true secret For fulfillment, some of you already said, "What are you talking about?" I mean, everything I learned in school, everything I hear in the media, everything I see in the movies, everything in our culture says that fulfillment is get it all and grab it all and keep it all. That's exactly the problems. The reason we have problems in our culture is that we're going right against the word of God in the New Testament. Every believer in Jesus Christ is a priest. You don't need to go to a priest for confession, because every man and woman, boy and girl, who surrendered their life to Jesus Christ, the New Testament said, you are a priest. Can I get an amen? Question, what was the greatest joy in the fulfillment of a life of an Old Testament priest? Offering sacrifices to God, right? Right? Today, we don't offer lambs or grains or stuff like that. No, 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 no. In the New Testament, we, all the priests, are offering themselves to God. Amen? And because every believer is a priest in the New Testament, therefore, every believer in Jesus Christ has a sacred call on his and her life. And now whether you're a shopkeeper or a doctor or a preacher or whatever your vocation may be you have a sacred call. Can I get an amen? amen? Whatever your vocation is God is calling you to offer sacrifices to him on a daily basis. Not just once a year or at certain occasions every day. Himirat, right, please. Scientists tell us that the way we perceive ourselves is going to impact and determine the way we live. When I perceive myself as a member of the royal family, I'm going to behave like it. If you perceive yourself as a child of the living God who's going to inherit the entire universe with Jesus, you're going to live like it. When you perceive yourself as a man of God and a woman of God, then the devil has no right to come into your life and harass you. And when he does, you can kick him out in Jesus' name. When you perceive yourself as a priest who will delight himself in living up to the calling of constantly offering oneself as a sacrifice to the Lord, you will constantly offer your time and your talent, your treasure up to the Lord as a sacrifice. When you perceive yourself as a foreign diplomat representing your home country, which is heaven, you are going to be very anxious to represent your country, your home country, well. Now, whether you know it or not, this is how God perceives you. You see, this is how He perceives you. Don't worry about how people perceive you. This is how God perceives you. He perceives you as a priest— as a man, a woman, boy, or girl with a holy calling on your life. And therefore, it is time for the army of the living God to see themselves as God sees them. Not as they see themselves. In verses 15 and 16, Paul's priestly duty was to offer God as a sacrifice with thanksgiving. All of the Gentiles whom God used Paul to bring to the kingdom of God, who moved from hell to heaven, from darkness to light, And your priestly duty, I don't know what it is, your priestly duty may be that you're going to sacrifice some comfort zone uh, things in your places in your life in witnessing for Christ in a hostile community. Uh, Your priestly duty may be to give sacrificially to the work of God. Your priestly duty may be to give a word of encouragement to everyone you meet. Your priestly duty may be serving your family. Your priestly duty may be helping others. Whatever your priestly duty may be, it is your offering of a sacrifice to the Lord. That's the first thing. Fulfilled life is self-sacrifice life. Secondly, a fulfilled life, look at verses 17-17. 18, and 19, is God glorifying. Paul said, therefore, once I'm a priest offering sacrifices to God, serving Him with all my heart, bringing the offering to the Lord, which is the souls of those who have been saved. Secondly, he said, therefore, I glory in my financial net worth? No. I glory in my real estate holdings? No. Uh, I glory in my degrees and my accomplishments. No. I glory in Christ Jesus. Beloved, Paul accomplished so much, third of the New Testament has his name, at least a third, if not more. But he doesn't glory in any of that. Instead, he said, God did it all. Although He used me, and for which I'm very grateful, but He did it all. Beloved, listen to me. God must always get all of the glory. It is okay to brag about Jesus. It's okay to boast of the Lord. Don't miss what I'm going to tell you. When you do that, you're going to be helped over the pitfalls of life. Let me tell you, I know those pitfalls that I'm talking about. It's going to help you over being constantly complaining and murmuring and seeing every little problem as a huge thing, and you can't get moving from it. It's going to help you stop playing the martyr mentality. It's going to help you from constantly falling into self-pity, oh me, poor me, why is this happening to me? <laughs> Had Paul learned not to brag on the Lord… He would have said the following. Now, don't find it in your Bible. I'm making it up, okay? He would have said the following. I know human nature, because I'm one of them. Oh, let me tell you about my experience in Iconium. I was stoned in Iconium. Man, because I stood firm, I got stoned. The truth is, everywhere I go, I got stoned for Jesus. Not stoned in the way you think about it, young people. This is stone with stone. You know what I mean? Stoned. You know, dear old Barnabas, he always managed to save his pretty face. (laughs) Every time there's trouble, Barnabas is gone. (laughs) Oh, but not me. I stood firm. I wouldn't flinch. In fact, one stone knocked me down completely. It would have killed the average man, but not me. I'm Paul. Uh, When I got up from being beaten by these stones, I I found that all of my companions, they cut and run, and I stood alone. Uh, But that's not how Paul saw it, right? That's not how he saw it. That's not how he perceived it in his life. He gave God all, how many? Of the glory. He gave God all, how many? all of the credit. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 14, he said, May I never boast, except in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. And here in Romans, he said, to be sure, to be sure, God accomplished a great deal through me, but only through His power that He gave me in order for signs and wonders and miracles take place. To be sure, it's the Holy Spirit who accomplished the His purpose in my life, but it's only His power that enabled me to do this. Beloved, listen to me. I know today's many a preacher, they brag about all sorts of things. Some brag about the power of their positive thinking. God bless them. Uh, some brag about their communication skills. There are some who brag about the fact that they have power in the tongue. Whatever they say, it happens. We need to get back on the mourner's bench and cry to God, instead of bragging about all of our abilities. I was thinking about the bragging, and I have met many friends through the years who just great braggadocious. I really do. I remember a friend of mine 35 years ago told me this story that's from his mouth directly. Uh, He was kind of half-time motivational speaker, half-time semi-pro golfer. I use the word semi in a very… Kind of uh, advisory way. <laughs> He's a semi play golfer. So he was speaking to a group of retirees in Florida and he was bragging about his golf scores. I mean, he was bragging and he was bragging. He would tell story after story about his golf score. Well, you know, if it wasn't for this or that, the other thing, I would have been one of the top pros in the country. At the end of his speech, a blind man walked up to him. He said, All right, I heard what you said. How about play a game of golf with me? And my friend, literally, his, his jaw dropped. I mean, he looked at the man, and he said, oh, no, that's okay. And the man wouldn't let him go. He tried to change the subject. man wouldn't let him change it. He tried to get away, and the man grabbed him. <laughs> no, 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 play a game of golf with me. Finally, my friend said, okay, what time do you want to tee off? He said, five minutes after midnight tonight. <laughs> that cured him. <laughs> he stopped bragging. For a fulfilled life, it has to be self-sacrificing. For a fulfilled life, it has to be God glorifying. Thirdly, verses 20 to 29, is forever dreaming. Listen to me. God has a dream for you. God has a vision for you. And if you don't know what it is, you better stay on your knees until He gives it to you. Because He does have one for you, for each one of you. And you say, oh, no, 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 He gives this to the big preachers and the, and, and the other… No, 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 He has one for each one of you. You are His child. If you're His child, He has a dream for you. And the moment you stop dreaming for God, you have died before dying. I want you to imagine with me, just for a minute… There's a pilot flying an airliner from Atlanta, Georgia, to New York. And this particular pilot, when he gets up to 30,000 feet, uh, he decides in his mind, I guess, he's going to show the passengers a good time. He's going to show them some sights from the air. And so he takes the PA system and he he said, we are going to see some magnificent sights instead of landing on time. And you ask, well, how long is it going to take? Well, I don't know. Really? What are you going to do when you run out of gas? We'll land. Where? Well, I don't know. The nearest airport, I guess. What would be your final destination? I don't know. I want you to imagine the nightmare that that flight is. But, beloved, listen to me. The truth is, there are so many people who live their lives that way, just like that pilot. They don't know where they're going, they don't care where they're going, and they don't know when they get there. They just drift in life. I pray to God, not a soul that listening to me, whether around the world or here in this place, would be in that boat. They go here, there, and everywhere, but in reality, they're going nowhere fast. I wanted to contrast this with the Apostle Paul. He had a clear vision, he had a dream, he had a goal. God-given dream, God-given vision, God-given goal to accomplish in his life. What was it? To preach the gospel where it's never been preached. That's the big goal. Verse 24, his ultimate destination is Spain. You say, why Spain? Because back then, Spain was thought of at the edge of the world. <laughs> that was it. In order to fulfill this vision, this dream that God gave him, He said, "I will first take the offerings from the Gentile churches to take it to the Jewish church in Jerusalem because they are in desperate need, and it's a sacrifice thanking the Jewish believers for giving us Jesus and redemption." And so he said, "I'll take that offering from the Macedonians and the Corinthians and all the other churches, and I'm going to take it to Jerusalem, and then I'm going to buy a ticket." That's not in your Bible. but I'm going to go on a trip and go to Rome. and We can fellowship together, and then you give me some financial help and help me along the way to Spain. That's the goal. That's the dream. That's the vision. I want you to listen carefully because some of you are going to say, well, wait a minute, what happened? (laughs) Well, from the book of Acts, you find out things did not work out that way. It was not exactly the way he anticipated for the dream to be fulfilled but it doesn't matter. I know in my own life, at the age of 18, God literally, audibly said that I'll be in the United States, and from there I'll take the gospel to the ends of the world. I knew nothing. I didn't know how to go about this. I thought, first of all, I thought maybe just a voice, but I knew it was God. Here I am. But I didn't come here right away. Two years later, I found myself in Australia, as far away from America as you can get. It was a wonderful detour. It was a fantastic detour. I met my wife there. Had three of our four children there. God gave me a ministry. I went to seminary there. It was a de- not quite exactly what I thought what God has in mind, that I was going to come here. But 40 years ago, I was, God kept His promise, brought me. Same thing has happened here with Paul. He knew that God was calling him to go to Rome, and from Rome he's going to go to Spain. But it didn't happen that way. Instead of buying a ticket and going on a voyage, he ended up being the guest of the government, a prisoner. Because when he went to take the money to Jerusalem, some rowdy bunch of non-believers turned against him and wanted to kill him. And then when he stood before the king, he said, I appeal my case to Caesar. And the king said to Caesar, you shall go. So he ends up in Rome (laughs) as a prisoner, not as a passenger. And even so, as a prisoner, the ship got wrecked, where he was floating on the driftwood in the Mediterranean for days on end. And then when they landed, he had a a snake that bit him, a venomous snake. Literally, the people there, the local people, thought he's dead. But God saved him through it all and took him to Rome. He arrived in Rome. Question. Did Paul make it to Spain? Did Paul fulfill his dream, the God-given dream that he gave? him? Did Paul achieve his vision for life? Actually, some people say, yes, he did go to Spain. Other people say, no, we don't have it in the Scripture, so we don't know. Historically, you can go either way. Question, does it really matter whether he went to Spain or not? No. Does it really matter? No. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. When God gives you a vision for life, and He has a vision for every one of you, when God gives you a dream and a purpose for living, when God directs you and says, this is the way I want you to go, accomplishing your dream is not the issue. Are you with me? It's not the issue. Moses had a dream to go into the promised land, but he never made it there. And yet that was his dream. He never accomplished it. David had a dream to build a great, wonderful, fantastic temple for God, for the worship of God on the hill in Jerusalem. Did he see it? No. He gave his entire financial net worth for the building of it. He drew the plans for it, but he never saw it. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter whether you accomplish the dream or not. You and I— must understand things from God's perspective. We get into trouble when we keep it from our perspective. I do this all the time. I fail miserably, trust me, when I don't see things from God's perspective, from the eternal perspective. And from God's perspective, it doesn't matter if you accomplish your God-given dream or not. From God's perspective, uh, the important issue is how faithful you've been in your work toward God-given vision. My beloved friend, please listen. God is not interested in the destination as much as He's interested in your faithfulness along the journey. Can I get an amen? How many people give up their God-given dreams, their God-given vision the moment they face opposition? Oh, God might not be in it. How many people live with memories of shattered dreams? Why? Because they give up halfway through the journey. They give up the moment the first obstacle raises its head. How many people are spending their lives wondering what would have been like had they not given up the pursuit of their God-given vision, dream, and life? Paul understood the vital importance of pursuing God's dream for life, uh, the vital importance of faithfully pursuing God's vision, uh, the vital importance of pursuing your Spain, and your Spain and my Spain are all different. Listen to me. The pursuing of your God-given dream in your life may endure hardships— It may encounter obstacles. It may have… you have to cross high mountains. You may have to walk through the flood. The important thing is that you continue the journey. I am absolutely convinced that there's a desperate need in this 21st century Christianity among God's people today is having a vision for life, is having God's dream for life, is endeavoring to accomplish great things for God. Beloved, listen to me. The faithful foot soldiers of the cross, they need to invade the world instead of allowing the world to invade the church. The faithful soldiers of the cross need to overcome Satan's strongholds instead of giving him the opportunity to create more strongholds. The faithful soldiers of the cross, they need to dream of turning the world upside down. But instead... We sit in our comfort zones, and we get lulled to sleep, and the devil loves it. He really does. You must understand that God is interested in your purposing in your heart. God is interested in the process. God is interested in your faithfulness and the step that you take each day. God is interested in your commitment that you make. God is interested in the sacrifices that you offer to Him. God is interested in your pursuit of His given dream and vision and purpose for your life. Fulfillment can be found in a life that is self-sacrificing. Secondly, God-glorifying. Thirdly, forever dreaming. Finally, constantly kneeling. Look, at verses 30 to 33. Verse 30: 30, I urge you, brothers, sisters, by the Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Holy Spirit, to join me in the struggle in praying to God for me. Notice how Paul's prayer requests are so specific. If you go on, it says there are basically two things. He said that he will be delivered from the unbelievers in Jerusalem. And secondly, that he'll make it to Rome, and God answered both prayers, because people were taking prayer seriously. Beloved, sometimes when I hear people talk about prayer, particularly in the media, and even among Christians, it's, you know, it's just like good wishes. Sometimes, you know, use prayer as an excuse. Honestly, sometimes I don't understand when people talk about prayer. Paul said, join me in the struggle of prayer. Prayer, my beloved friends, real prayer is often agonizing. Real prayer is often groaning. Real prayer, sometimes it's like a childbirth. I've never been through it, but I'm told it's very painful. <laughs> real prayer, God said to Ezekiel, look, standing in the gap. Have you ever stood in a gap? Do you know how painful that is? Real prayer is spiritually straining. Real prayer is self-denying, self-sacrificing. Someone modernized what, how today that prayer would be. The Apostle Paul talks about it. I'm going to read it to you so I don't mess it up. It goes something like this. Oh, Lord God, we modern Christians can be so self-absorbed. We look with condescension and sometimes even boredom on the missionary enterprise. That's even when we think about it at all. Forgive us. We worship your son in church on Sunday when we sing our choruses and our songs with euphoria and we think that's all we need to do to honor him what do we know of honoring Christ when we remain contented to let whole nations and peoples and tribes around the world live and die without even bowing to the one whose name is above every name? We have privatized our faith. We have privatized our faith. We have trivialized faith as a mere benefit like a favorite television show or a hobby. We don't hear the gospel as a war cry anymore. We don't hear the gospel summons to risk taking or as a command to see the Lord Jesus Christ honored in our hearts or as an exerted effort toward His being honored in our lives. Oh, Lord, give fresh vision, power for the gospel among us today. Oh, Lord, help us. Amen. Now, my beloved friends, get serious. If you want to be truly fulfilled in life, get serious about self-sacrificing. Get serious about God glorifying. Get serious about forever dreaming. And get serious but constantly straining and kneeling in prayer. Thanks for listening to this message from Dr. Michael Youssef, recently featured on Leading the Way. If you'd like to know more about us, please visit ltw.org. That's ltw.org.